Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Welcome to another amazing conversation on the Pace and Freedom Show. Today, I have Kevin Warmhold from American Liberty Podcast, and he's starting a new venture with a new podcast coming out next year in January. I've been on Kevin's show actually on American Liberty, which was an awesome experience. I can't remember what episode number that was, but uh, we got talking about the Libertarian Party and how uh, we're not as happy with the way we're going about things. So, But let's start with uh, Kevin introducing yourself. Give us a little bio there and tell us about what you got going on. Well, thank you very much. First of all, we are recording on the Marine Corps birthday, so Semper Fi and happy birthday to all the Marines that are listening. Um, yes, I am the host of the American Liberty Podcast, and uh, James, is, uh, I was very fortunate to have you on, and it was a great experience, and uh, it was a very well-received episode, so thank you for that. Um, no, thank and you. I am starting a new venture called The Exchange. It's my new podcast. Um, and we'll get into a little bit later of why I started this uh, to expand from just the libertarian movement in itself. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about how uh, we're not too happy with the way the party has been going, uh, especially on the national uh, stage. Um, we have the presidential primaries going on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, there's, a, there's a couple guys that I like, and there's a couple guys that I just don't understand why... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're running for president. I feel like it's more of an act, uh, but we'll get into that as well. Um, so, yes, if you'd like to listen to podcasts, you could join me at the exchange. My uh, new venture coming up this January. And my awesome. premier guest will be Ken Armstrong, who is a presidential candidate for the Libertarian ticket, who is seeking a nomination at the uh, at the convention this year. So he's going to be an awesome uh, guest. I record with him tomorrow. I am looking forward to that one. I, I do like him as one of our one of the candidates going for the uh, presidential nomination over some of the other ones as you spoke of uh let's go ahead and talk a little bit about well let's get the libertarian party out of the way because i've usually we'll get into these long rants about how they're running things i was a little bit happy about the debate before this last one in uh new orleans right is where they had it um, oh, they had South Carolina was South Carolina up, up until uh, they had. I don't know if they did the one in New Orleans yet, but there's there was South Carolina, and um, uh, the last one was yesterday in Orlean, New York. Which I don't know if you gotcha. watched on Facebook. Uh, there was six or seven candidates up there. Um, the one that gets me the most is Vermin, uh, Vermin Supreme. Uh, <laughs> you know, when when the political parties, you have the Republican giant the Democratic giants, and then you have the third party, Libertarian Party, trying to kind of muscle their way in and get involved in these national races, congressional races, Senate races. Then you have a candidate that's running around with a boot on his head. How did people take you seriously, and why would me, as a hardworking citizen, rush to join a third party when they you know, have candidates running around with rubber boots on their head offering free ponies? Um, listen, I, I, he, he, he could be a great activist. Um, he makes points. I get it. I see why he is always out there. Um, he, he makes 
there's a lot of problems with the government. He, he, he attacks it all the time. I get it. But when you're trying to be taken seriously as a third party, as a third major party, and Vermin Supreme is a candidate that's getting a lot of publicity, people from the outside looking in and go, it looks like a party of kooks. Why, why exactly. do you get involved in that? So I think we need to do a better job of a few things. Um, branding, number one. Uh, right. And that all falls in with the whole Vermin uh, group. Uh, there's a Todd Hopagan is running for chairman of the party. Uh, he's the libertarian chief on Twitter. I listened to him on the Brian Nichols show, and uh, which, by the way, was my first podcast I ever went on, <laughs> the Brian Nichols <laughs> show. And I was so nervous about doing it that uh, I went into my fridge beforehand. First, I wrote off all these notes, and I'm trying to make sure I got all my facts together and my thoughts together and i go into the fridge and there's one beer and i drink that beer to try to calm me down <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> i was like wow i don't have enough beer to get through this interview so i started making gin and tonics and by the end of the interview my notes got real fuzzy on the page <laughs> but I've come, I've come a long way since then so but um yeah so todd uh Hopagan, the libertarian chief who's running for the chair of the party had brought this up in his interview with Brian Nichols uh, regarding how we had our best year on a presidential scale um, percentage-wise because the Republican and Democratic candidates were so bad. People just said, ah, I'll just vote in Gary Johnson. He was a governor. He sh- whatever. It's better than the alternative. Right. The party as a whole has lost money since then. So management, problem. Branding, problem. Right. And we need to get together and come up with a solution. Um, and I think it starts with electing members to the p- party that will um, get in front of a camera and make the voices heard. And right now, the current chairman's not doing that. Uh, right. I have considered at this convention uh, running for an at-large. Listen, I would love to run. Nobody really knows me party-wise. So would I get the delegate votes? Probably not. But uh, I'll start off with uh, running for a at-large member or maybe Region 8, which is the region I live in, for the uh, member of the committee and start uh, making my voice heard there. Absolutely. I mean, we've got to start somewhere, right? And I have seen a increase, and I don't know if it was because of that last election as well, where a lot of people have, they took us a lot more seriously during the uh, 2016 uh, election, and we've seen a lot more serious and dedicated people step up and start running for local offices. But then you get somebody like Vermin Supreme come in, and it just ruins everything for everybody, you know. And I had a little bit of a interaction with taxationist Theft Berman uh, over Twitter about this, and. He does bring up a point like, what can we do? You know, we can't really, it would be kind of hypocritical of us if we like shut people like him and Vermin Supreme down, First Amendment right to freedom of speech. As an organization, when you're like an organization like Libertarian Party, which it is an organization, there has to be some sort of, I don't know, like vetting process where we all get to pick who's going to be the best people representing the party and i don't know so let, let me weigh in here um i've taught i've had dan berman on my podcast american liberty okay i i i 
there needs to be a separation, I think, between the party and there's a lot of activism that happens within the libertarian movement. The libertarian idea is a great idea. The platform is a solid platform, but we don't have um, great leadership and we don't have great faces to put out there to get out in front of the cameras and attract everyday working people to the party. They alienate a lot of sections of um, of the of from joining the party. Mainly, I'll give you an example. There's a lot of talk within the party that goes anti law enforcement all the time. Most law enforcement people are pro Second Amendment and pro First Amendment. They 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 only can enforce the laws that they have on the books. If you want to see change, the cops can't make the change. The change comes from the politicians. Uh, state local reps that appoint the upper management of the police department and they've turned the police department i.e. the state reps state leadership in government governor senators uh, assemblymen like in new york um, into a cash gathering operation by fining people over ridiculous things that's something that could be addressed the national party doesn't address it that way Um, why are all violations a monetary fine. Can you give an option to have them provide community service if they, listen, they might not have the money to pay the fine. They made a mistake, they committed a violation, give them an option to give four hours of community service instead of paying a fine, which you can't afford, which then turns into a warrant. These are things that the party as a whole should be addressing uh, for change. And at the same time, you don't alienate people who are pro-law enforcement. You don't alienate the people that have family that are law enforcement, that, that is big sections of the Republican and the Democratic Party. You could take that and attribute it to inner city. The inner city is neglected by the Libertarian Party, period. Maj Ture right. in Philadelphia tried to bring that to light and ran a campaign in Philadelphia, um, which could use the Libertarian movement extremely. They, they need help. Um, that would be a perfect platform for inner city people. They don't go into inner cities. A lot of the libertarian movement in the state of New York is upstate. Nobody's down on Long Island promoting um, like they do upstate. There's a huge difference in the upstate libertarians to the downstate libertarians here. You have somebody like Larry Sharp that ran an amazing campaign, brought me into the libertarian party. Prior to that, I wouldn't have thought of joining the libertarian party. I was always a small government, free market kind of guy. Um, I've worked for the government. I served in the military. I get it. I was drawn to Larry's campaign because his campaign had a solid message and it wasn't alienating sections here um, in New York. Right. Sections of the voting population. It's to include everybody. He's for, hey, if you're a Democrat, come join us. If you're a Republican, come join us. Too much of the Libertarian Party is you're not Libertarian enough. I don't even want you. Exactly. That's, that's wrong. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's kind of the issue that I've had forever with the libertarian party as far as when i started learning about the libertarian movement and the libertarian party as a whole and it's probably why it took me so long to become a libertarian member i only became a libertarian member this this year and because i've seen how many people they have kind of excluded steffi cole and i talked about it on our episode where she was just basically picked on for supporting uh, Austin Peters because he went from being a libertarian to into the Re- Republican party. And basically was like, Oh, well, you're not a, 
a real libertarian or you're not a libertarian anymore because you support somebody that went to the Republican Party. I think people get things mixed up when it comes to the libertarian party and libertarian movement. And that's what, you know, we call big L and and small L. You can be a small L libertarian and still support the big L libertarians, the party and move back and forth in your decision-making on who to support. As long as you're supporting the libertarian movement. And what's the libertarian enough? You know, that's the beauty about the libertarian idea is any amount of liberty is libertarian enough in my, in my mind. I don't know. Well, the example is like, okay, I would rather not belong to any political party. I only joined because of Larry Sharp's campaign. I was really behind here in New York. I look at the national um, platform. I agree with a lot of it. I would say, I always rate myself in percentages. Like I'm 80% libertarian, 70% Republican, maybe 60% Democrat. You know, right now I'm more libertarian than the other parties because of what the parties stand for. Um, I'm not an open borders guy, but I agree that the system itself is a, is a failed flaw system and it needs to be fixed. There's a better way to do it. Um, so some of the libertarians are for open borders and some are not. I know Larry Sharp and Marsh Teray are not for open borders. They're for, um, you know, some sort of organization because you can't just have no borders because then what's the point of having a libertarian, libertarian party here in the United States? This is still a country. Um, so, you know, I conflict a little difference in that aspect. Um, but the Libertarian Party as a whole, let's look at this recent uh, debate in Orlean, New York. A couple of candidates, I, um, you know, I, I just don't know why they're running. Uh, I, I like Ken Armstrong. I think he's, um, he's, uh, he's, he's got a, a lot of interests, you know, that are the same with me. Um, right. and I, I want to hear more of, I don't know enough about him yet. Um, I want to see more. Uh, I guess Max Abramson is another guy. Um, was, he, he seemed pretty interesting. Uh, he's a representative, I think, up in New Hampshire. He's actually the only state rep um, that's an, uh, an elected official within the Libertarian Party. He's a state representative. So right. he's the only one at that level in the entire Libertarian Party national, national nationally. If you look at the party as a whole, why has the, the party, after having its best 5%, you know, or 3%, whatever the percentage was, but it was the highest turnout voting for libertarians, why haven't they increased their money? Why haven't they raised a ton of more money? You know, because they were the party that they saw was not a Republican, Donald Trump, or Hillary Clinton, who they hated. Everybody hated them. So the reason why they got half the votes that they probably got. It's not because of the... Gary Johnson did such a great job campaigning nationally. Um, right. I like him. I think a lot of things he said made sense. But, you know, once again, what has the party done since then? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the Libertarian Party has done that in the past. Every time we have, like, this huge forward movement, they totally drop the ball. They just dismiss the advantage that they have. You know, they did it with Ron Paul. Ron Paul did so much for the libertarian movement and for, and a lot of people started looking into the libertarian party because of Ron Paul, a lot of young people. And 
that was the the Libertarians Party opportunity to really invest and and they dropped the ball. They just like, oh well, yeah, cool. You got us all this support. Let's ignore it. I'm a, that's why I, I want to see this Todd uh, Hopagan uh, run for chair. And I plan on going to the convention. Um, I'm going to be hopefully uh, I, I want to be a voting delegate from the state of New York that goes to the convention, which uh, uh, hopefully I could get access to. And I want to hear about more what he has to say, because what I've heard so far, I was impressed with the fact that th- what he does for a living is he goes in to failing businesses. OK, he fixes the business, makes it profitable, and then he goes right now. Nice. The Libertarian Party is a failing business, it is a failing party. They are not generating revenue to increase, to put people uh, on ballots that could win races. You know, a lot of times I just helped a local candidate, Jake Gutowitz, who you had on your podcast previously. I did a lot of work with him locally, um, you know, promoting him, uh, creating ads and, you know, the party itself did nothing for him. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, that's the national party. You know, what are they supposed to do? He's a local candidate. First of all, I saw a couple of the cross endorsed candidates that ran because in New York, they have fusion voting, which means you can run on multiple lines. We had um, three or four straight libertarian candidates. And then we endorsed two other candidates on the fusion voting line that seek right. our, uh, for district attorney. Um, he was a, a great candidate. He's very libertarian. Um, and we endorsed him, Francis McQuaid. The amount of support that he got from the Republican side, I mean, they just threw signs at him. Like, oh, they just dropped off another 10,000 signs for me or, you know, or business cards or, you know, they have the money. That all trickles down from the top. Okay. Right. The National Party, you know, sends out money to the state parties and then trickles down to the local candidates. There's none of that with the Libertarian Party. Okay. Exactly. I think if, if you're a local candidate, and in order for you to be taken serious as a serious party, you need to win locally first. The first thing to do is set the foundation. Before you can build a right. house, you need a foundation. You can't just build a house on top of dirt. You need a solid foundation. That solid foundation is the local races. You need to win local races so people who live within the community know that, oh, my representative on a city council or my representative on the uh, county legislator is a libertarian. And then you start to learn more about the libertarian ideas. You see how the libertarian party works on a small scale. So you could say, you know what, this is working out here. You know what? I want that guy to run for state representative next. I'm going to support him. If he runs for governor, there's none of that. There's none of that trickle down effect financially because the party itself does not raise enough money to compete with the two juggernauts. And you'll never ever be taken serious if you don't have solid candidates that could raise right. that type of money. That's why, if you look, they're always looking to an outside last minute person to jump in. You know, we have candidates going, and I like Kim Ruff too a lot. I, I forgot to mention her; she wasn't at this last debate, but I like her too. Um, oh, definitely. That's uh, she, so. I actually, I think so too. And you know, just kind of for the record, I and I announced that I, that's who I will be definitely supporting i'm trying to make it out to the state convention when she comes out there here in california and i mean we need more people like her and who is the other person that you mentioned um ken armstrong 
And then um, this Max Abramson. Max, yeah, Max Abramson. Exactly. We need more people like them. But like we mentioned, we have people like Vermin Supreme. And I don't know if you like uh, Dan or not, but Dan Berman, who is just out there. Just they're they're giving us very a lot of negative publicity, in my opinion. Well, here's what I'll say about Dan. Uh, I, I like I like I've had a conversation with him, um, and I like him, and I, and I'm not tr- and I don't want to be that guy that just you know beats up on people because you know listen I'm not talking to him directly or you know I don't want to exactly. see that I only talk about him when he's not around but you know as it, at that debate I watched he didn't give really detailed answers he didn't really explain policy he just you know it's just taxation is theft and you know that's the answer to everything right. We need a, a, a solid campaign, solid, um, you know, message that people are going to say, oh, I like what that guy has to say. He makes a good point and he's got a way to fix the problem. We don't have that now. Right. Um, Kim has uh, and, and um, uh, John Phillips has, has had a plan. They've been at this for a very long time. They announced a long time ago. I'm not a fan of uh, Vora, Arvind Vora whatever his name is. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was watching him and you know, I'm not really a big fan of him either, but listen, it's the, the party's open for everybody to run. Right. Right. It's supposed to be the party of nobody could tell you, you can't do anything. We can't force you into anything, but yet they always want to force you to fall in line with the them or that's it. You can't be a part of the Liberty movement, which I find to be ridiculous. Um, exactly. But the, the, the National Party has not said a word about who they, you know, what type of candidates they're looking for. They don't talk about any of these candidates because they're waiting, like I said, for that last minute jump in, like Tulsi Gabbard. If she doesn't get the Democratic nomination, are you going to see her become the Libertarian candidate because she has some Libertarian ideas? Um, they went after uh, Howard Schultz for you know there was a lot of questioning of whether or not the party should go after him because he's a billionaire he's got the money he's got the fame but he's not libertarian he doesn't believe in libertarian ideas so why would we do that they're waiting for the last minute big name to throw in before the convention and then they'll keep whoever the popular you know kim ruff uh uh, ken armstrong you know a couple other viable candidates and put those on stage um which concerns me i think we need new leadership at the party uh, as far as the chair, and, and that starts right. with Todd maybe uh, being a possibility. I know uh, Josh Smith has done a lot for the party. He's with the Mises Caucus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, you know. Sometimes I want to say okay, uh, you know, but then he says some things that if you're the chairman of a political party, you probably shouldn't say those things um, to be taken serious uh, when you're trying to get people to come to the party and actually take you as a serious third party threat. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's just having some sort of leadership, having some sort of guidance. I mean, if, if they would have just came out with, Hey, this is kind of what we're looking for during this, this election. We want somebody that will kind of promote the platform, the libertarian party's platform. And these are kind of the things that we're looking for. Who knows? Maybe, you know, Vermin Supreme might have still jumped in, or maybe he would have been like, well, they're not really looking for what I'm providing, so I'm not even going to jump in, right? But there was no guidance whatsoever. It was just like, okay, who who wants to get in? And like you said, 
I think it's because they don't really care about these candidates. They're just waiting for that last minute jump in. And then they'll start caring and start saying, oh, okay, this is kind of what we're looking for. You know, we need to put these guys on the stage and manipulate you know, it that way. Sometimes you'll look at, um, you look at the democratic uh, debates that have been going on. There's always some sort of stipulation, like uh, percentage in the polls, money raised to make the stage for the, th- you know, to be heard. I don't agree with that, but at some at the same time, you're like, well, because there's probably a hundred people running on the Democratic side, people that you've never even heard of, but they've only exactly. focused on the top uh, tier candidates. Right. I know, I know that people don't like to talk about that as a libertarian, like, oh, who is the party to decide? You know, I want to run for president. I should be able to be heard. But when you're doing debates and you want to be taken serious as a party, I was watching the comments, and every time uh, Vermin gets up and makes a comment, people are commenting, like, who the hell is this kook? Or what the hell is right. this on his head? Like, you know, they're tuning in to look at a serious political debate. And then that's. You know, and then you got people saying, "Oh, Vermin for president. He's never going to win president. He's right. going to be left out. You're never going to attract new, new, fresh blood. You're never going to attract people to come to a party to say, hey, 'Hey, I'm behind this candidate 100.' percent You know, right. I wish somebody like Larry Sharp would run for president, um, but mm-hmm. uh, I could foreshadow and see other things in the works. Uh, he's going to do another run at governor. I could pretty much guarantee that. Uh, you know, based on what I've seen." He's preparing for another run. And already, something that needs to be addressed, the Assembly and the Senate in the state of New York, okay, the threshold was 50,000 votes to become a legitimate third party. Two things that are happening, which I want to mention. First thing is they're looking to get rid of fusion voting in the state of New York. So no longer, uh, the vote's supposed to be up into December. No longer will you be able to run on multiple lines. So if you're a Democrat, you get your Democrat line. If you're a uh, working family party, you get that line. If you're a conservative, you get that line. There's no, you know, you're on two, three, four, five lines. Right. That will, that now there's two things. That is going to kill third parties with the exception of the Libertarian Party because the Libertarian Party got over 50,000 votes. They got 100,000 registered votes. And then there was some speculation of some issues with the way that the machines read the votes but we know for a fact that there's at least 100,000 votes that went libertarian more than double what you needed right now when these other smaller parties that have been running uh rather than the conservative party here in new york they never ran their own candidate they would just jump on whoever the republican is get enough votes to sustain themselves as a legitimate third party even though they don't run a candidate now they have to actually run candidate um if they want to remain a legitimate party because they can't piggyback off the Republicans. Okay. So that's going to happen. And that could um, hurt the small third parties. I don't think it will affect the libertarian party, but now here's what the Senate and the assembly are doing to hurt the libertarian party. They're going to increase the threshold from 50,000 to 250,000 votes. Jeez. Okay. For the next uh, statewide election. That is what they're looking to do. And they're trying to pass it right now. Um, the reason they're saying is because it protect. you know, uh, I mean, Cuomo, I, I can't remember his quote exactly, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Is more of a security and safety issue. It, it has nothing to do with that. You're just trying to get you don't want competition because now you see a threat here in the state of right. New York, the state libertarian party. And I wish that the state party here in New York, 
could just copy and paste throughout the rest of the country because what they're doing here is amazing. Um, and they're doing a great job. Carrie Bittner, I'll give a shout out to her. She was Larry Sharp's campaign manager. Uh, I speak with her on a regular basis. She is a machine working like crazy, going all over the place, registering libertarian voters. She has the 100,000 libertarian registered voter plan going where she wants to register 100,000 state residents as libertarian within the state. So Mm -hmm. that threshold is now that you see people are jumping and they've already increased their roles, uh, the amount of libertarian registered voters. I think they're up to around 20,000 from nothing pretty much. Um, So they're already up there. And now the state sees the Cuomo sees, the state assembly sees, whoa, these guys are actually registering people who jump and ship. We need to increase, push that field goal post further back. So that's right. something that's happening here. Copy and paste what New York is doing. The rest of anybody who's listening and all these other state affiliates, um, please pay attention to what's going on here. Copy and paste. Okay. Larry Sharp is a great candidate. Find your Larry Sharp, run them in your state, get ballot access, copy and paste, and then just spread it. The National Party um, needs to be fixed. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, either Todd or Joshua, whoever it is, fixes it. But um, it's broken right now. Definitely. I mean, I don't know when the next big wave will be for the Libertarian Party. I, I'm kind of skeptical that it will be this next election. But if we do get another big wave, whoever ends up taking the chair, they need to make sure they, they ride that wave um, all the way through. I mean, we, I'm kind of, for me, I'm kind of tired of seeing the, the Libertarian Party drop the ball on this. It is frustrating because, you know, me being a Libertarian, a small L and now a big L, you know, and trying to talk to people about it, it comes back to labels. You and I talk about that, right? And right now, the libert- being a libertarian, that label, people actually, the first thing that pops up to their mind is people like Vermin and Dan and Arvin. And, you know, and it's just, to them, they just don't want to hear anything else from you at that point. They just, eh, I can't take you seriously. When I, I remember when, Gary Johnson, when he was actually doing well, uh, and I would talk about the Libertarian Party, I was people would listen to me because that's what was re- related to that label, right? I said Libertarian, people think Gary Johnson, and right. you know when he was doing well, he was doing really well, and people actually had a lot of interest in it. And considering that we had those two horrible candidates um, during that time. It was very attractive. So people were listening a lot more when I was talking about the Libertarian Party. So, you know, he he had his Aleppo moment. And I think that hurt him, um, you know, where the whole issue with Syria. And right. The pro- something that we have to keep in mind, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party utilize fear to get what they want accomplished. Plain and simple. Um we're under the threat of terrorism, uh, give me the right to surveil everything. You know, there's always that fear factor that they use. Um, and once, you know, Gary had his Aleppo moment, it's like, oh, this guy knows nothing about national security and he won't be able to keep you safe because he doesn't even know what's going on in Syria. So you'll have ISIS here next week. You know, that's what pretty much 
happened. Um, they utilize fear to their advantage. We do a poor job of exploiting that and showing that there's no need to fear that issue because it's realistically not going to happen. Um, and nobody jumps out and, and gets involved. Uh, that, to me, is a problem with leadership. Okay, I've watched Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, almost weekly or daily, either the chairman of the RNC um, or the chair, I'm sorry, it's the chairwoman of the RNC and then chairman of the DNC is on the news making some sort of comment about something that's happening. I've never seen Nicholas on TV. Now, could we blame the media? Sure, they probably don't look for the libertarian, but you know, how actively has he been trying? I couldn't tell you because I don't know. I don't know what they're doing on a daily basis. Um, they're not growing the party. They're not raising that money to compete uh, where right. our candidates can actually have a fair chance to win. Um, and, you know, it's it's a shame because, you know, I'm at like the end. I'm at the beginning of my uh, journey into this party and I'm at a very close end because I might just go just be independent because then I don't have to worry about what people think, you know, <laughs> uh, you try right. to be involved in the party and it's like, well, you have, I've been in this party since 2012 or I've been in this party since the, since the eighties. Well, great. Right. You've done nothing. You've done nothing exactly. at all. You know? Well, I mean, and it, look, I'm so Anytime I'm, somebody does do something, they don't support them. They don't back them up. They don't. And they're very afraid of new people, too. It's almost like right. they don't want to give up what they have. It's like, dude, you've got nothing. You know, like you're afraid to give up nothing. You've had no power for all this time. The party is exactly. not moving all this time. Now you have young people coming in that want to get involved. You know, people that jumped onto the Larry Sharp movement. And then you're skeptical. It's like, oh. You know, I went to the state right. convention up in uh, Rochester this year, and you know I'm a voting member of the state party because I'm a you know, right. I was granted access to vote at this part, and you could see the way that the people have been in there for a while. It's like, who's this guy? You know, why does exactly. he have a vote? You know, it's like, well, because I came in because of you know I, I believed in what was going on. I believed we needed a third party option, and then you're gonna shit on me for saying what I want to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know, and the Libertarian Party is really good. And this is something, again, that me and Steph uh, talked about is they're really good at marginalizing people. Right. So let's talk about like the people that Sharp got into the movement. Right. The younger crowd, they totally alienate them. You know, they they just group them all in one together and they say, oh, look at these millennials, you know, entitled millennials, these entitled you have to make the party attractive to everybody because it is a party for everybody. Right. We, we, we talk all the time about how we are the party that represents everybody's freedoms. You know, we're the party that of ideas and yet we marginalize people. We alienate people, you know, like Steffi Cole, who I think she's the same age as me. And for some reason we're considered millennials. I don't, really consider myself a millennial but uh, you know but they alienate us because we come in and they're like oh look at these young entitled brats right and that's not attractive so why would i want to be part of a party that doesn't even want to re represent me the problem is delivering the message we have a great message we have terrible delivery it's kind of like right. 
th- think about this. Whenever I discuss what the party is to people around me, they say, wow, send me more information. That seems interesting. I like it. Sounds good. But there's not enough people doing that. There's not enough people that could actually deliver the message of what the party is. Um, Larry Sharp was a great person for that. Maz Ture, a great person for that, to deliver the message, to inform people why they should support the party. Um, we are very limited in that. And you need more people to be able to come in and deliver that message. But then we alienate too many people. So you're never going to get that talent pool that you're looking for when you alienate a big section of the population because you may not agree 100% with them. I don't agree with 100% on anything with anybody. It's okay. It's okay to disagree. But let's talk. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. There's, uh, there's not enough of that. Uh, I think we need better delivery, better leadership, and then you'll see the party grow and money will come in. Um, we have not had that since 2016. And I think that right. everybody's also like afraid to support a big time uh, a candidate on the libertarian side because they all just assume Trump's going to win. Um, you know, it's hard to beat an incumbent. Yes, I feel like they're just kind of holding out till 2024 when they can make a push because there'll be a wide open playing field again. I I just think that's a horrible strategy. Is well, I mean, because you're just going to lose the interest of more and more people. The less you do, the less interest there there's going to be. So we kind of went over a lot about how the National Libertarian Party has done a horrible job. Uh, and then we also talked about how they didn't do a great job on supporting uh, local candidates and we kind of saw that with, you know, Jake's uh, campaign. I see it over here too, or in San Diego. You know, I'm running for a nonpartisan office, so for me to get really any much support from the Libertarian Party, I, I'm assuming that they'll have no interest in that. I don't really would do much for the Libertarian Party. I disagree with that idea, but that's what it feels like, right? I've let the party know that I was going to run for city council and there seems to be no interest. Like, oh, great. Good job. Hope you win. So something that I like about some of the candidates that are running on the national level, like Kim Ruff and John Phillips, um, what they've been doing is kind of putting the spotlight with their campaign on local candidates. And it's unfortunate that they're the ones that have to do it and not the national party. What do you think that local candidates can do now that we kind of feel that we don't have the support of the national party? What can we do to compete with the other two major parties? So here in the state of New York, I could give it from the New York's perspective, um, you know, because I'm a member of the local, the state and the national um, party. Locally, you have a local party. Right now, there's the uh, interim um, committee because it's changing to become the official party uh, for the state of New York, the Libertarian Party in the state. So they all, all the counties are have their ICOs in place. But in 2020, everything changes where everybody um, 
will be elected in primaries locally to run the local parties and then you elect your chairman and so on and so forth. So everything's changing. So this is the opportunity to get the young people here in New York and in the counties heavily involved from, you know, to become the chairman, vice chairman and move with the state party, you know, and, and finding those great candidates on the state and local level to win in New York. It is important to maintain legitimate party status in the state of New York. And we have to see what the state is going to vote on uh, as far as it goes with the threshold being increased from 50,000 to 250,000, which is absurd. If you cannot see that as a corruption, you are blind. Okay. Because the fact that you're doing that to disallow other people's ideas to compete with yours and Republicans and Democrats will both sign off on this because they're both afraid of other parties. You know, we always think that Democrats hate Republicans. Republicans hate Democrats. Yeah, they do on TV. But behind closed doors, they work together. They probably joke together. They probably drink together. They hang out. You know, their families are probably friends because they need each other to survive. Okay? They need each other to continue their uh, powerful hold on government, to keep government. Because if you look, Republicans are supposed to be for small government if you're a conservative. The size of the government has increased. We've added another trillion dollars to a national deficit. We have $23 trillion national debt. Nobody's talking about it. Right. This country's going to go broke. You're talking about fiscal responsibility. These people that run the government can't even pay the bills. Uh, We keep electing these same people in. And rather than the Libertarian Party jump on board and say, look at this. Look at this. This is idiocy. We have people that run this government that just keep spending and spending. And they're taking more money from you. How are they not jumping on that and winning on that issue alone? Social exactly. Security is going to run out. Okay? It's already got a deadline date. It's th- That program is going to be dead, and nobody's talking about that. You know, these are issues that libertarians should be jumping on, national, state, local, because guess what? It's going to affect everybody locally. So if you're in the state of New York and you want to talk about policy, the state of New York the taxes, people are leaving Long Island like crazy because the medium property tax you pay is eleven grand. Who the hell has $11,000 a year to pay in property taxes? Plus, you still got your mortgage bills, kids to feed. How do you raise a family on that? Right. These are the issues that affect us locally. And how we're not able to drive that message home, you know, in this previous election, I learned a lot working with Jake and some other candidates on their election. There's no support from the national. There's no money coming down from them. You got to raise it all yourself. You got to get out there and make a name for yourself, um, and that's it. And you need to continue that and be persistent and attack these issues that really matter to people. I like to keep my money. I get a paycheck every two weeks. I want to keep that money. I don't want to have to give more of it away. I should be able to keep more of the money I earn. You're not going to get rid of taxes tomorrow. A lot of libertarians like you know the ancaps like saying get rid of government. It's not going anywhere. There'll always be government. Right. You're fooling yourself. There's a way to be responsible and put a stop on the growth of government first. First thing is right. to stop the growth of government. You stop it from expanding because it's uncontrollable, unsustainable, long term, long term, unsustainable. Then you could discuss balancing budgets, reducing taxes. You can't even get to that point. You want to talk about legalization? You can't even get to that point because you can't win right. a race. So... And here's another thing that kills me. A lot of the libertarian issues, like 
legalizing marijuana, cannabis, CBP, and all. The Democrats have jumped all over that. They look like the champions of this. It, it's not even their idea. <laughs> you know? Right. Their party is not saying anything. You know? They're just agreeing with the Democratic. Can- if this is your idea and this is on your platform, get out there and talk about it. Don't just exactly. clap your hands when a Democrat puts that agenda forward and say, oh, we like that's you know, at least we're doing this. You're not taking credit for anything. You're allowing them to take credit for everything. Exactly. You know, I follow uh, Nick Sork on Twitter. And as of lately, it's been, it seems like with him, it, you know, this is the most critical moment right now to be out there and talking about the movement, talking about the candidates. And it's just complete radio silence. And anytime he does tweet something, it's a complaint, you know, or it's. We're uh, a party, we're uh, a party of complainers. <laughs> we, don't know, right? we don't take charge and do anything. We need people to get up and take charge and, and go forward. Okay. Something I want to bring up on this podcast with you and i've talked to you about this okay there is independent ways about doing this i've sent out a poll asking what people thought about it people don't think it could ever happen but having our own network to provide people with the information to educate the people to deliver information uh right the uh conservatives have blaze tv network and you know they have a lot of other um you know ben shapiro has his own i forgot what the name of his uh network is right now but he's got his own um, network of conservative news, podcasts, videos, whatever. Right. Prager U has their own, right? We don't yes. have anything. So, you know, I was thinking, where's the, li- we could do a Liberty Entertainment Network, educational network, whatever you want to call it. Libertarians need to step up and create some way to deliver the information because the party itself is not doing it. So if it has to be right. done independently. That's another option to deliver um, the information to people and get it out there. Absolutely. I think that's a, uh, an amazing idea to have a independent sort of network. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be all libertarians, even though the libertarians there in the name, I, I would like to see the libertarian movement be in the, and it is, and it's in theory, what it's supposed to be an inclusive movement. That's what I've been trying to do with this podcast and I think that's what we should do with, you know, a network of where we have, yeah, okay, we have our, you know, our libertarian shows on there. And, but we have also a couple of, you know, uh, Democrats in there, a couple of Republicans in there that also want to be part of the network to be able to kind of have a discussion because somebody that, you can be in an echo chamber and just listening to the things that you agree on. And and that's really easy to do, but to be able to hear out other people and understand their point of view, to be able to better, I guess, understand how to win them over is very important. Unless you understand what their concerns are, what their ideas are, you will never be able to convert somebody into being a libertarian. Do you, th- you know, think about this, the founders of Apple, okay, <laughs> when they started throwing around that idea in, inside the basement or wherever, you know, and they're having this, you know, hey, let's build this awesome computer. Let's, 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 you know, if they didn't, if they built that computer in their basement and never took it anywhere, what would have happened? Nothing. 
Exactly. You know, oh, great. You built a computer for you and your friend to use and awesome. But now what, now what do you do? You got this idea, this libertarian idea, the liberty net, uh, movement, uh, you know, the idea of smaller government, less taxes. You have this idea. What are you going to do with it if we just talk back and forth about it and do nothing about it? And exactly. nothing's going to happen. You got to get up and go do something about it. And that's a big problem. At, you know, at some point, I'm going to get involved down the road, I'm sure. I'll be getting involved in some races. I'm just waiting for the timing and get some other things going on right now. But when the time comes, I'm sure I'm going to get involved. People who have that opportunity right now to get involved, do it. You know, it, it, we could talk about it all day, but if we don't share our ideas or get the ideas out there, nothing's going to change. Exactly. And at some point, and we have to feel comfortable talking to people about it. Like that's the, the idea just like, okay, Oh, you're not libertarian enough. I'm not going to talk to you. Oh, you're a Democrat. No, I'm not talking to you. You're a Republican. No, I'm not talking to you. Let me just talk to the person that agrees with me, you know, then you're just talking amongst each other and you're not spreading the message unless you can feel comfortable enough, you know, and have the courage to, to have a discussion with others. The message will never spread. And you need to be engaging and open to other people joining that may not fit what you want them to fit right now. But, you know, it, it, listen, it could be somebody who's a, who believes in socialism that wants to join the party to learn about liberty. Good. Whatever. Join up. We'll, we'll teach you. We have a problem in this country where everybody's geared towards socialism, our youth especially. Okay. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the youth are going into college because they're being told you have to go to college. Why do you think they want you to go to college? Because the government subsidizes those programs and pays a ton of money to these universities. Okay. Know what they do with that money? They increase their pay. They, you know, spend all this money in the school, and that incurs a cost. Where does that go down to? It goes down to the student. You know, the student has to pay off these ridiculous student loan debts. The problem with this whole idea of college is governments remove government and remove the subsidies, and then these schools have to compete with each other, and they'll bring down the cost of college. But right. What people do is they graduate with the student debt that's federally backed. So now you're paying back the government for your subsidized loan, right? And you're right. mad. I'm paying back, uh, you know, I know people that are in their late 30s still owe $20,000 in student debt paying it back. That's insane. You're almost, you know, out of, out of college how many years? And you're still paying back that much money? You still owe that much money? So what people don't understand, especially if they can't get a job with that degree that really doesn't help them get a job, they're mad at government. But their idea to fix that problem is more government. I don't get it. We need to show them government's the problem. Government is the reason why you have this. You should be advocating for less government, not socialist policies. You can't put more money in their hands. They're not going to spend it to favor you. They don't care right. about you. They, they, you know, they, they don't. They care about power, centralization of power, and making sure that they can fill their own pockets. And, right. you know, I mean, think about it. Congressman makes 174000 a year, works part-time. Who mm-hmm. else makes that much money working part-time? Anybody? I mean, no. in the real world, in the private sector, you're paying one hundred and seventy-four grand to work a third of the year. Now, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. 
slowly that's becoming less, you know, money because of, uh, you know, the way things are going, but that's a lot of money. Absolutely. You know, and the reason why most of the younger crowd go to socialism is because they've been rejected by everywhere else. You know, uh, Jake talked about a little bit about hope, you know, when the socialist movement, the socialist thinkers, you know, they give out a lot of hope and that's what people look for. You know, there it's false hope, but it's hope nevertheless. And the younger crowd knows that we're, we're going towards doomsday when it comes to, economic growth to their future to what's going to happen to them are they going to have a retirement are they going to younger people do look at those kind of things the older crowd may think that we don't but they do and there's no hope nobody else is giving them hope but the socialist movement now we did have that again during the ron paul movement in 2012 and 2010 Ron Paul gave out a lot of hope and we got, we, we gained a lot of the younger crowd. I remember because I wasn't really into the libertarian movement yet during that time, but I remember watching some of my, you know, favorite YouTubers and them talking about the libertarian movement that planted a little seed in me as well. And now you check out these YouTubers and they're talking about socialism. Why? Because they were abandoned by the libertarian movement. They were rejected by the libertarian movement. The, the, the way that they, Democrats and the, the Democratic Socialists pitch things to the younger generation is a much better job than we do. And here's why. I mean, you have Bernie Sanders blaming billionaires and trillionaires and millionaires and everybody else, you know, for their problems. The one percenters he goes after. It's not their fault. Who's at fault? I mean, you could look at uh, Jeff Bezos and say, oh, he made paid zero dollars in taxes. Well, the company has stakeholders and stockholders, you know, that they are paying back them, you know, they have right. a lot of loopholes. Yes. Who creates those loopholes? Government. Government. Okay. Not Same people that you vote in. All right. Don't be mad at them. Listen, if I started a business in my garage and I became a billionaire, why the hell should I share that with anybody? Nobody gave a shit about me when I was in my garage. They all laughed at, you know, they could probably all laugh at that guy. Said, huh, you're going to, you're going to sell things from your garage. Good luck, pal. Now he's a billionaire. He's one of the richest people on the planet. You know? And then, and then you're right. mad at him because he's not paying enough in taxes. Listen, the government created these loopholes. So, I mean, the problem is government. So instead of, you know, and here's the, they blame them and then say that government's going to fix the problem. It's like a Jedi mind trick. Okay? Sorry, Bernie, you're the problem. He's, Bernie Sanders is a career politician. He's made his entire living off being a politician. Okay, he couldn't have a regular job. He would have never survived. Politicians, no. you know, he's in that position, and he could say whatever he wants. But he's he's part of the problem. Okay, a lot of these rules, he, he could say he's for the people. No, you're part of the problem. Okay, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on like, but that you know, <laughs> I could, you know, but let's let's you know, you blame all these people for the problems. Medicare for all. Okay, so here's the idea with healthcare. The reason why healthcare is so expensive right now is because of red tape put in place by the government. The government right. is mandating that hospitals hire this person for this job. This person, you know, you see a doctor come in the doctor's office, there's 15 people behind him with clipboards writing stuff down. Whatever happened, doctor used to be able to come to your house 
and come do a home visit. You used to go to see your doctor or just be your doctor and maybe a nurse right. that you know takes your uh, blood pressure and everything else beforehand. Okay, that's it. Now there's o- overstaffing, administration. Uh, there's you have to hire administrators to take care of all the bureaucratic bullshit red tape paperwork that the government puts in place. That's why healthcare is so expensive. Not to mention the high taxes that are put on medical equipment. That's why. Right. So the problem is government. But Bernie Sanders knows how to pitch the idea that government's the problem. And now you have people joining him saying, let's go socialism. No, you're going to give this guy more money and more power to dictate what goes into your health care. Screw you. I want to pick my health care coverage. I want to have options. If I decide right. that I, I want a government option, give me that choice. Don't take my choice away. I, you know, I could agree with the fact that maybe there needs to be a government option to help bring down cost, but will that really work? I don't know, but at least you've given me an option. I could at least be, okay, I get that. His idea of getting rid of all private insurance, not a great idea. And the Libertarian Party needs to stop allowing him to portray that message without an argument, saying, no, 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 Bernie, you're wrong. Here's the truth. The truth is government's the problem, and then lay out your case. Because right. you're going to have that younger generation shift over to socialism, and then the liberty movement will be dead in no time. Just like the Tea Party Absolutely. movement is died. Where did the Tea Party go? It's dead. Amash was an example another, of how the party died because he had to leave. Right. I mean, just another you know example of the Libertarian Party not riding these huge waves that we could gain a lot of territory on and. I don't know. I think they're probably just afraid. They're afraid that they'll lose control to the the rest of the crowd. Are they are afraid that maybe the libertarian idea will get tainted? I don't know. But we need to get away from that fear and just ride these amazing waves that comes at us and not lose on it. Gain some revenue off of it so we can get some candidates elected and start proving that the libertarian idea is the way of the future. That's what's going to guarantee your, your future, your retirement at the end of the day. One thing you mentioned about healthcare, you know, I think that there should be an option for you to just directly pay a doctor without insurance that would cut off costs by a lot. I remember I grew up Interestingly enough, and I think I mentioned this in a few of my podcasts, I grew up outside of the country. I grew up in Spain and we had uh, universal, universal health care, but there was also the option where you can just go straight to a private doctor and you paid that doctor directly. Like I remember my mom taking, uh, well, I think at the time when I lived there, they, they didn't have euros, they had pesetas, directly taking out peseta bills out of her purse and giving it straight to the doctor to take care of me. And it was way cheaper, like compared to here in the United States for healthcare, because Uh, that doctor didn't have to pay any administrators. He didn't have to pay any, you know, it was just him paying himself. Right. That, that time has definitely gone. I mean, it's changed a lot since I was a kid to now, as far as going to a doctor, um, and the cost that's associated with it. Cause I didn't grow up wealthy at all. You know, my parents didn't make a lot of money. I don't even know if they had health insurance on us um, at first, but they still managed to 
go to a hospital and have a baby and not be put in debt for their entire life because the hospital <laughs> bill is 250 grand. Like, you know, when I saw the bill when my kids were born, I'm like, holy cow, this is how much it right. for the baby. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm like, this is insane. Like, why the hell does it cost this much? You know, right. because of the red tape and the amount of taxes that are put on medical equipment that nobody ever talks about. It's all by the government. Um, also, the cost that it takes uh, to get medical equipment approved and the, the, the loopholes and any innovation pretty much in the medical field gets crushed because of uh, approvals through the government system that need to be, you know, you need that government approval stamp uh, before anything. And that costs money. So, yeah, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's pretty much, you know, my rant on the issue. I think, you know, I think uh, coming up at this convention, I, I plan on going to the convention. I'm trying to become a uh, voting delegate and uh, I am uh, about 90 five percent uh sure i'm going to throw my hat in the ring for the uh for a member of the national committee and uh you know either whether it's region eight or an at-large position but i want to get involved in helping drive the party in the right direction so um you know i, I have a uh, interview coming up on uh on the exchange with uh, todd uh Hopagan, uh next month i'll be recording with him he'll be coming out in january and uh, I'm going to ask him a lot of these questions that I, uh, you know, I want answered as far as where where the party needs to go, and where the future. I'm going to have him sell uh, sell himself uh, to all the listeners and to, and to myself, and uh, you know, see how he can move the party forward rather than backwards. I, I wish you the best. I think if anybody can help us get to where we need to be, that would be you. I think there's a lot of potential. In the Libertarian Party, we just need to get the right people in there to push us there. So I think we'll get there. It's just, it's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be a quick task. But there, if I can say anything to the younger crowd, there is a lot of hope in the Libertarian movement. Well, I'm, I'm invested in. I'm going to be uh, fighting the fight uh, and hopefully uh, making some waves in the party in a positive direction. Uh, not in a negative direction. So I am also looking forward to this Libertarian Entertainment Network. So what do you think? Is that going to be an actual thing coming up next year, maybe? Uh, Well, I plan on uh, starting a crowdfunding campaign at some point. Uh, Also gauging how interested people would be in seeing such a thing happen. Um, You know, obviously do the research and I'd like to get feedback from people. So uh, you could find me on Twitter at Kev Warmhold at K-E-V-W-A-R-M-H-O-L-D. You could find me on there if you have any questions. If you want to DM me, you could send a direct message. I accept direct messages. Um, and if you have any suggestions, I'm open to suggestions. Listen, I don't have every answer. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't, I can't, you know, wave, uh, wave a magic wand to make something happen. But uh, listen, I, I, I want to have this discussion and see if it's a plausible idea and get it going. And if it is, uh, let's do it and stop uh, talking about it. Just make something happen. Absolutely. And I I am looking forward to just seeing what other people have to say about it. You know, uh, I think Kevin, just like me, love to hear people that disagree with us and have that conversation. Because like he said, we're not perfect. We don't have all the uh, answers. 
but we're open to listen to people that disagree with us. That's what makes us grow to learn. We may not agree with what your idea is, but we are willing to listen and work. I think it takes a foundation of different views to really build a a movement or to drive a movement. So thanks for being on the show. It's been great. I think uh, it's been a long time coming uh, to have you on my podcast. I think it was a great conversation and looking forward to seeing what we have ahead of us. And I appreciate it. And if, uh, you know, the listeners don't mind, check out the exchange. You could go to um, my YouTube channels up and running uh, the exchange podcast, go check it out and subscribe also, uh, the audio versions on iTunes and every other platform. And uh, I have a bonus episode coming out uh, for Veterans Day. And then nothing until January 6th will be the launch. It'll be a double feature. I'll be releasing two episodes, same night, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. will be the live stream on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter. And there will be a second bonus episode for the release date. So what? get two episodes on the sixth and uh looking forward to that i appreciate you having me on james uh it's been awesome let's keep talking let's keep having a conversation and let's get things moving because you know listen you can complain all you want but if you don't go out and make something happen nothing's going to change exactly we can't be living in a echo chamber all right guys that's all we got don't forget to like subscribe on youtube make sure you click on the notification bell we're also on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and the easiest way to get to those links is going to my website www.pasteandfreedom.com don't forget to give me some feedback write comments i will respond as quickly as possible and It was a great pleasure having you on, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you once again. Appreciate it.